Economics has some key assumptions, some key narratives from which all human activity derives. All of our political structures, all of our decisions, all of our frameworks, they all derive from economic assumptions and economic narratives. At the core is the notion of unlimited demand and limited supply. Supply and demand. On the demand side, human industry, human desires, human wants, human needs are unlimited, boundless. Everybody wants everything all the time, and they want it now. Everybody. Every industry wants as much as they can get. Every individual, every household, every firm, every governmental agency, every, every entity, every economic entity. Unlimited wants. supply, we've been told it's limited. We've assumed and we've operated as a species on, on this planet. We've operated under the assumption, the core assumption of scarcity, that natural resources are limited. There's only so much of everything, finite supplies. So we organize and arrange ourselves in governmental entities or political groups or various organizations, structure, various structures to regulate or mitigate this core economic reality that we've lived in, which is our demands are unlimited, our wants and needs are unlimited, and we're constrained by a finite supply. It's time for a new economic model. It's time to challenge the assumption that you that, 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 that supply is finite. I believe we've entered into an age for many, many reasons with our science and technology and our algorithms and our processes and our, and our methods and our insights. I think we've entered into a new phase where at human scale And at a quantifiable, within a quantifiable domain, supply is unlimited. It's easily, easily procured, easily rendered. Now, what does that mean? What, what exactly are you talking about, you may ask? 
at human scale I mean this it is assumed that the human population at current growth rates will grow to a around 10 billion people it is also assumed given current economic realities that that will that will be a steady state of source that economic development worldwide is such that uh, the high rates of uh, childbirth will level off and in short as countries societies as nations or areas or regions become wealthier they have less children that they have more opportunity economic opportunity they have less children <clears throat> seems to be a trend that's been going on you know for the civilization process for 20,000 years as societies become wealthier they tend to have less children so the first assumption is that human population will continue to grow until it reaches a steady state of approximately 10 billion people. Now that number can fluctuate. That's not the main uh, uh, number to become fixated on. It's just a number that provides a, a starting point for the quantification. Now, the next thing is to quantify the, the economic proposition. Economic proposition is the American middle class lifestyle equivalent for all humanity. So you take what we already know how to do so easily, which is build houses, and build cars, and build utility systems for the houses, the internet, the communications, the power, the heat, the clean water, the running functioning sewer systems. The American middle class lifestyle also assumes steady, bountiful food supplies and beautiful grocery stores that are stocked full of safe to eat foods that are, that, that are clearly directed by uh, a consensus about what's healthy to eat and what's not so people know when they go into the stores what to buy. Need work there. American middle-class lifestyle for all assumes vehicles. And we've known how to make fantastic vehicles for quite some time. So the equivalent of a, take your pick, Lexus, high-end SUV, whatever. The form factor is not important. The point is, is that we know how to make these very high-end transports, and we can make them for all of humanity. The raw materials to do that are not a constraint. They're not a real constraint. It is a manufactured constraint, and it is maintained at the status quo. The things stay the where they are now at a manufactured level of, of scarcity because it benefits interest groups. It benefits certain self-interest groups. It is beneficial to some what, what is loosely called the 1% or 2%, which could, depending upon how things shift, 
could swell some. If you have more state control, maybe you have a little bit larger swath that becomes the, quote, wealthy class. But there is no shortage of material to build a high-end American middle-class home, plummet full of all the modern utilities, top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art fiber, keep it unfiltered internet, keep the food and retail supply chains, all the things you would click on Amazon, wide open, click on anything you want at any time, it shows up at your door, same day maybe. Easily can do that. And to supply all the raw materials for the underlying machine to churn out all of this stuff, easy. With minimal labor, with minimal slavery, if you will. We're going to prove that because humanity is mired in, in fighting over an economic model that's simply not true. And be it dark money on the right, creating talking points that, that more or less uh, have their constituents advocating no government or very, very minimal government because they don't want governmental bureaucracy to creep in on their interests, which is a real and valid concern, because they do, and history has shown that they will, versus a more populistic more majority, majority rule-based shifting to the left, where you have a larger state role, larger government, more bureaucracy, and an equally powerful plat pl platform of propagandas that, that are coming at various ways to reinforce and, and to coddle their constituents into thinking they've made the right decision. And so you got dark money on the right taking a position on the current economic reality of humanity and their position is little government so we can own things and we can move quickly and we can get things done and be highly effective and not have to deal with uh, union bureaucracy and union nibbling at productivity and efficiency. We don't have to deal with government nibbling at productivity and efficiency and creating fines and fees and, and slowing projects down. And so dark money fuels these talking points because they've seen a very real threat that government can pose if left unchecked and it can swell to a point where they can slowly control over 50% uh, ownership via taxation or whatever and they have the controlling interest and they have the say, so it becomes a fight over this little pie. And the equally nefarious dark money groups on the left that for many reasons have hatred or just simply disagree with the dark money groups on the right. So they fund a huge propaganda campaign that could create free education or free health care or free this, free that. And people get excited because it sounds good on the surface. Uh, environmental saviors going to save the climate. So they enact vast propaganda campaigns 
and also using dark money create talking points and get buy-in from just enough people so that they shift the power away from this small group of elite 1% on the right side that wants no regulation and wants to do things their way and shifts it to a another elite group and their minions who benefit from these contracts or job programs or posts, government posts, gov benefit from having insiders on the, the legal ease so that they know how to position themselves. And, and so those groups also refactoring, reforming, and vying for control of this small little pie. And, and society getting ripped apart at these fault lines and this misinformation and this half-truth and also humans coming through a 20,000 years since we first settled in civilizations, 20,000 years or so, we're, we're exhausted. We're so tired. We've come so far and we have done great things. And that's to be respected and to be commended and to be reflected upon. However, we are also exhausted. It's like we've reached a point where, yeah, it seems like we've got, we've got the sheen of wealth and prosperity. But really, we're all barely holding on economically. We the people. Not, not we at the top top. But we the people barely holding on economically. A few paychecks away from absolute disaster for most everybody. And there's no forces in the market to keep prices down as wages continue to trickle down. So it just feels like everybody in general is struggling more, becoming more frustrated, and, and being mired in more and more debt or, or bureaucracy or, or layers of misinformation. So we have a real duty to make sure that we're not tearing ourselves apart and we're not exhausted and we haven't really allowed ourselves to figure out well, 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 what could be. We're, what, what could change? What can we really change? What we can really change is the pie. The economic pie could be way larger. Way, so much pie that everybody couldn't possibly eat it all. And then a new political reality will come out of that. Where people's expectations are very, very high. And their tolerance for being coddled into a paradigm will be minimal. It won't be so easy to manipulate the people because they just won't want to hear it. They don't want to sit through your government program. They don't want to hear your right side, right slanted propaganda about pulling yourself up and slaving away for a paycheck to paycheck existence. Because they'll understand and will have seen the promised land of a different economic reality where you don't have to do all that stuff anymore. You just don't have to subscribe to a side anymore because you know everybody knows everything. That's where it's heading. That's where we're going. That's where we can get to. And that's very exciting. We've got to change the economic model. 
We're going to change the economic assumptions. And humanity is going to be better off for it. In short, demand is unlimited. We all, at an individual level, family, family level, societal level, governmental level, corporate level, we all want everything. We need everything. I'm talking everything. And we want it now. Our expectations have risen because we carry around the world's information in our pockets with our smartphones and our computers. We know, we know and see so much of the world and the universe now that we, our expectations have risen. So let's rise up as a species. Let's rise up as a human race. And let's meet these demands, the demands of the marketplace. Let's meet them with unlimited supply. Unlimited supply. That's the work we need to do in this generation. Unlimited supply, satisfying the unlimited demands, changing the economics for all of humanity. I've loosely called this humanomics. You're putting humans and the human economic proposition and the quantification of the human need at the center of your economic activity and you're figuring it out from there and it's doable that's the exciting part and it's doable now that's gonna make it fun it's not gonna do itself though folks and it starts with the articulation of the vision and the proving of the theory you have to prove that it would work proof of concept and then you got to get buy-in which is a distribution of thinking and ideas and you got to do it before the dark forces of the right or the dark forces of the left decide that it's gotten too scary for them and they shut it down or oppress it or keep it keep it secret because because let's you know people have fears so we have to do the work we have to do it swiftly and it doesn't have to be confrontational. There's no violence here. This is not a revolutionary ideology. This is simply laying bare a new economic paradigm, a new economic reality. And when humans are aware of this, they won't have to endure the suffering of these constraints any longer. You're never going to fully remove suffering. But you can alleviate a lot of the pain. You can, you can make it better. It doesn't have to be like this. And if nothing else, you will create a massive amount of bandwidth. You'll make it easier for everybody. So people can enjoy the stars. And everybody can be a philosopher. Everyone can ponder the universe and our place in it. Everybody can get to a certain point of comfort where they can learn and think. And it elevates the species. It elevates the planet. It elevates the consciousness to a point where everybody wins. 
It, it doesn't completely remove suffering. I got to stress that again. I don't think that, that that's a whole other philosophical debate. I, just, I think that, you know, when people say the, the shorthand expression is life is suffering, there's something to that that should be re remembered and, and, and considered. That may, be very, that may very well be true, that no matter what refactoring of the economics, no matter how big the economic pie, there'll still be suffering because people make choices and people fall into patterns of thought or people get into right, any number of things that can affect the suffering. But the lion's share of the suffering today, right now, in our modern times, is due to this assumed, relatively small economic pie that's assumed to be all there is, and that has had, has had global buy-in as the narrative. We've had global buy-in that this is the way it has to be for our arguably our entire 20,000 year history. So here we are in modern times squabbling in various camps which are loosely clumped into three groups kind of a communistic or theology based you know ordered market you know kind of one group or priesthood or one clergy or one class controls everything or a kind of middle of the road socialistic model of Things it kind of has a little bit of a private and a little bit of a public partnership or uh, sharing of things with a social safety net, a modest social safety net, or the far right end of the spectrum. We have kind of a corporate ownership or capitalism or uh, private ownership of most of the things and large inequality. Kind of have these three gr groupings, loose groupings that are assumed to be the best we can do because of scarcity. <laughs> That's the problem. We buy into scarcity because our arrogance, our ego, and all and let's face it, all the amazing things that we have done has blinded us to what could be. We got to take it that next step. The next step is figure out how to eliminate scarcity from the economic equation so that we can bake a bigger pie. Much bigger pie. Bake a much bigger economic pie to where there's more than anybody could ever eat. Therefore, there is no squabbling, no division to fight over a limited, a small number of pieces or small pie that's not, would never be big enough to go around. Here you go. Humanomics, human-centered economics, eliminate scarcity at human scales.